G'day, I'm Andy Saunders and I'm a comedian, to some, and welcome to episode one of So What, a podcast from Origin that questions everything you thought you knew about energy. My wife Deb and I are former contestants on the block. That experience, as well as renovating a number of properties, having kids, running a small business and a busy home, means we have little time for much else, let alone understanding the complex world of energy, even though our house is jam-packed full of it pent up and let loose. But living a coastal life in Wallaby Point on the New South Wales mid coast also means access to magnificent beaches and I love to surf. So when I'm out for a surf, I've often found myself thinking, I wish I could surf for a living and I could do more, live more sustainably, at the very least, know where the energy comes from that powers our lives. So where does our energy come from? What can we expect in the future? How can we make smarter energy choices? And best of all, save money along the way. Throughout the series, we'll look at solar energy, electric vehicles, batteries for the home, virtual power plants, disruption and the customer experience, and even turn energy into a game. I'm determined to find out as much as I can, and I'll take you along for the ride. So, where better to start understanding my own energy use than at home with Deb? Because <laughs> I think she knows everything. Oh, okay. I'm probably not real up on that. Right, oh, That went well. Show's over. Series done. Deb and I are pretty much on the same page. A basic knowledge of our energy consumption, but we do want to find ways to improve. Look, we have always thought about things like switching the lights off. We're not doing that all the time, but it is. We've had the conversations, definitely. But I think now as, you know, we're growing older and we're learning a little bit more about sustainability. So, you know, we're on that path, definitely. We're looking at switching out um, lights and things like that in our own home to reduce energy costs. And I think we've got a lot to learn. But, yeah, we're we're willing students. We we want to learn more. (laughs) Oh, she's so gorgeous. So maybe the first step on this journey needs to be understanding how the energy grid that keeps our lights on actually works. It's actually gotten a lot more complicated to answer that question in the last 20 years than it used to be. This is Professor Ariel Liebman. Director of the Monash Energy Institute, an energy climate nexus focused institute at Monash University. We're cross-disciplinary and I am a Professor of Sustainable Energy Systems in the Department of Data Science and AI in the Faculty of Information Technology. Professor Liebman is here to give an overview of Australia's energy sector. Most of the population live on the East Coast and are actually connected to what's known as the National Electricity Market. There's the physical system that uh, creates and generates the electricity and moves it around. And then there's the market, as you call it, which is a complex mixture of agencies and companies, uh, which are both generate and or retail electricity. There is also um, the other energy grid that we often don't think about so much, but is in the equation. And that's the natural gas grid, which is a smaller part of our domestic Uh, energy use, but it's still important, although it may decline in uh, importance over the years as we switch towards renewable energy. 
Switching to renewable energy is actually a big deal for our energy market. We love renewables in Australia, but our grid, like many all over the world, was actually designed for more traditional sources. Probably three types dominate in Australia, coal, gas and hydro traditionally. And now, of course, we've got a lot of large-scale wind and solar. And um, then once you've generated this energy, you have to transport it to the consumers. And that's done through both high-voltage long-distance transmission lines and lower-voltage distribution networks. It helps to visualise what we're talking about. Imagine a physical power plant. Huge turbines spinning, which are generating electricity that is fed along power lines or into distribution networks. But there are other options out there that many of us are familiar with. The other one is the, um, the emergence of new technologies, such as primarily rooftop solar. And when you combine that with the discussion around the urgency of uh, addressing climate change issues, consumers have also become much more engaged in both the issue and the ability to do something about that issue, which mostly for most customers is either putting rooftop solar on or signing up to a uh, electricity plan that is something like a, uh, a green power certified plan where they can be um, somewhat assured that their electricity is coming from renewable sources. So, we know that when we turn our lights on, the power probably came from a gas or coal-fired power plant. But increasingly, the network is being powered by renewables, like solar or wind or even pumped hydro, which is a way of storing renewable electricity when it is plentiful and using it later when demand is higher. The makeup of our energy grid is changing, and we'll explore that in more detail in a later episode. But there's another change happening, and it's being driven by tech. When companies like Uber and Amazon disrupted the taxi or shopping experience, it was through technology. They transformed industries that weren't really broken. Taxis always worked, but Uber changed our customer experience forever. So it seems only natural that this would happen in the energy space. Yeah, well, definitely. Um, and, and there's two aspects to this. One of them is is this this actually has been going on longer in Australia. So we have had a few rounds of innovative startups coming into the market. Um, the latest crop, like Octopus, we do have similar ones, but they're maybe not making as many inroads into the customer space. They're probably um, the types that one would call aggregators, where they offer some technological components to their products. Hi, I'm Greg Jackson. I'm the uh, founder and chief executive of Octopus Energy. Octopus Energy is a startup that's been making waves in the UK because of their focus on technology. Uh, we started in 2016 uh, really to use technology to drive down the cost of energy for consumers, uh, to make pricing more transparent, and, and to really see if we could make the transition to green energy faster and cheaper. Greg isn't your typical energy CEO who's been in the industry for decades and talks in complex acronyms. It turns out he's a bit of a gamer. Tell you what, I've got a 14-year-old son and he can beat me at any game except Tetris. Last night he and I were playing Tekken 6 on a retro arcade game that we've got in the house and it was fantastic fun. Ah, a man after my own heart. Turns out Greg doesn't just love playing games. He started his career making video games. 
you know, this was the day of yeah, the sort of 8-bit home computers. And uh, it was fascinating because, you know, I, I started as a sort of teenage sole programmer in a bedroom. And I think, uh, you know, even then, uh, what I saw was the emergence of more powerful computing. You went from 8-bit to 16-bit. Is you went from being able to do stuff as a sort of one person or small two person team to really requiring big teams to create games. And I think, you know, I saw the degree of change. And that was back in the mid to late 80s that was happening in the world of video games or home computing. You could just imagine where that was going to go exponentially with the world, which is why I decided I should go and get an education because, uh, you know, I went to university then because I think the, the entire prospect of this amount of change was both terrifying and thrilling. And we sit here today, you know, in the 2021, when you've got a phone in your pocket, which has got just in one app, the entirety of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy's vision of the future, never mind all the other stuff you can do. Greg's not an energy CEO. Well, he is, but he isn't. But he is, but, but he isn't. Do you get where I'm going with this? And this is a trend we see amongst other disruptors. You know, when you look at the... Um Companies that have changed society through technology, they don't tend to have come from the sector they changed. So, you know, Uber wasn't set up by cab drivers. You know, Amazon wasn't set up by shopkeepers. Uh, and, and I think in our case, you know, I started life writing video games. And I think, you know, for me, technology has always been really core to how I think about the world. I think the most important thing in the run up to this business was that in 2003, uh, I started a business which ended up building enterprise software. We built large platforms for uh, big organizations. And um, I think when we did that, we really got a front seat ride as different industries faced the technology disruption. And, and so when we sold that business, we kind of looked around the world and said, what's the biggest sector where we can make the biggest difference through technology? Energy stuck out a mile. You know, customers were underserved. They're overpaying. They spent half their time chasing around call centers that don't want to help them. And then critically, it's a sector which had held back the fight against climate change. Uh, so for a whole pile of reasons, we kind of thought this was, you know, our opportunity to make a big green dent in the universe. So Greg might not be a typical energy CEO, and Octopus is definitely not a regular energy company. In fact, you'd probably call it a tech company first. And the tech problem it decided to solve was energy, and specifically renewables. Government here in the UK and in many other countries had been subsidising renewable generation. So you were beginning to see a reasonable amount of renewables on the grid. But what you didn't have was any real consumer understanding that this brought benefit. In fact, among consumers, all they saw was extra levies on their electricity bills to pay for these renewables. So I think at that time, and it was only a few years ago, but you know, there was a sense that green energy was expensive. It was kind of a luxury. And you know, actually, it's amazing how things have changed so quickly. Octopus entered a UK market dominated by incumbents who did offer renewable sources. But Greg saw a lot more potential. He also realised there was no way Octopus could win a price war. But where they could win was customer service. It's actually one of the inspirations for starting the business was the pain points I experienced as a customer of energy companies. And aside from pricing, which was a pain point I experienced and that we read about a lot in the headlines, what you tend to find with energy companies is customers only call when there's an issue. But because companies are running all these different systems, you know, some of them 20 or 30 years old, 
not always properly connected with teams that are trained to handle one particular system. So you get handed from one team to another to another. It meant that whenever there was an issue, the resolution of that was drawn out and painful. And you spend a long time on the phone with often brilliant people who were constrained by systems. Now, because we're from a technology background, we set out from the beginning to create a single platform that covers every aspect of the customer's experience with us. So that whatever they need solved, our team can help them. What really set the company apart was tech. After all, Greg is far more likely to design an app than run a power plant. So rather than jumping onto one of the legacy platforms, Octopus developed its own customer service platform called Kraken. That's K-R-A-K-E-N if you want to look it up. And it powers their whole business. And what Kraken does is it runs the entire company, you know, from the, the bits that estimate how much energy everyone's going to use and, and, and work with generation, both our own and third-party generation, to make sure we've got that energy every moment of the time through to um, the bit that calculates how much everyone's used and starts working out their bills. And so I think the first thing was uh, by having this kind of consolidated 21st century in the cloud platform built by us for energy, you make fewer mistakes. So customers don't need to phone as often. If they do phone, they'll get better service. And if they choose to contact us by any other medium than phone, they'll get great service. Origin even noticed the huge potential of Octopus and Kraken, so they purchased a 20% stake in the company, and soon, Origin's entire retail customer business will be run on the platform. It was clear that Kraken wasn't a huge sea monster, but it was changing the UK energy market and had huge potential to go global. I really wished it was the monster, though. When we were two or three years old as a business, we kind of knew that in our technology platform, Kraken, and our operating model and our vision for the future, we were sitting on something special. And yet here in the UK, the incumbent energy companies, and indeed around most of Europe, were fairly dismissive. Like so often in a sector that is ripe for disruption, the incumbents just don't spot, you know, that technology is going to give people the edge it does. If Kraken looks at my energy use data finds me the cheapest way of powering my home and provides me guilt-free electricity by committing to renewables, then it's fair to say Greg's disrupted the energy sector. We know disruption has happened with taxis and shopping, but let's look a bit closer to home. What Octopus is doing in energy in the UK is kind of familiar. And that's because it's happening here, down under, in banking. I'm Dom Pym. I am probably most well known as uh, co-founder of UP, which is Australia's first uh, digital bank and uh, now I'm probably most successful um, digital bank. So that's what I do day to day. That's my day job. But I also help other startup founders and get involved in the community and uh, work primarily in, uh, with fintech businesses and also with uh, in sort of the energy or um, sort of save the planet type things, you know, anything to do this alternative or interesting uh, that, you know, sort of looks generations ahead. Uh, I'm also interested in that sort of stuff as well. Okay, seriously, imagine Dom's job interview. They ask him, okay, what are you looking for in this role? He answers, well, anything that saves the planet? 
that's alternative or interesting, that looks generations ahead, brilliant, Dom, as his LinkedIn profile states, is an entrepreneur, technologist, innovator, and co-founder of the Digital Bank Up, whereas my LinkedIn profile says, I am none of those things and far from it. (laughs) So, Dom, what is Up? Actually, Up was the first cloud-hosted bank in Australia. It was also the first mobile-only bank. So I guess it's really what your definition of digital is. Um, some people call them challenger banks, and then that can also encompass you know banks with branches and all that. So yeah, in terms of up, it, it was uh, as I said, first mobile only bank. So you have to have a smartphone to access up, and and we were also the first bank in Australia that you could download the app, and within a couple of minutes, uh, you could literally have money in your account and be doing banking. You know, maybe buy a coffee or, or whatever it is you want to do. And so that's a bit of a game changer because before up, uh, it could take anywhere between two and ten business days to set up a bank account uh, and to get a card and then activate your card and put it in your wallet and all sorts of things. Um, And, you know, all of that just seemed a bit archaic um, to us and we really wanted to disrupt it and make it so that you can download the app and then instantly have a bank account and away you go. Um, And so that's really, uh, when we talk about a digital bank, it runs on the cloud in in the Google Cloud platform is what we use, and it allows you to instantly activate one or more bank accounts. And so that's really for us what the definition of digital means. With Up, Dom and his colleagues set out to disrupt traditional banking. So to be a disruptor and to do something new and interesting, the bar is actually very high. The big four banks in Australia have amongst the best digital platforms and digital apps in the world, right? And so for a new digital bank to come into the market, there has to be some sort of reasonable value proposition. It can't just be it's cheaper or it's quicker or it's easier. There's got to be something compelling. Otherwise, why would people even try it? Customers don't know what they want. Like, particularly in, say, the energy sector, it's a utility, right? And banking is somewhat a utility. So you get what you get and you don't get upset. That's how sort of most Aussies would think about their utilities, right? I've got a water bill and I pay it and I get water, I turn the tap on, that's it. I turn the lights on and it works, you know? Most people won't be thinking too hard about what sort of innovation can happen, but there's this whole Silicon Valley influence of entrepreneurs and these entrepreneurs, this next generation of young entrepreneurs that have grown up with technology are basically looking to use technology to disrupt. I think it's a perfect storm. Um, You've got legacy industries that are dominated by a handful of players, and then you've got technology. So the story of Up and Octopus are starting to sound pretty familiar. Accessibility of technology, the cost of implementation and maintenance of technology, the way that technology is disrupting those different industries, um, and the accessibility and usability from a consumer perspective is what has sort of converged into this whole new economy. And what we found is that by creating an awesome user experience, by creating an awesome brand, by having design embedded in everything we do, being honest, being transparent, publishing our roadmap publicly, for example... I'm pausing here to repeat those phrases. Being honest. Being transparent. Publishing our roadmap publicly. Remember, the person saying them is in banking. That's not the kind of language you often hear from a bank. It's usually, hi, how may I have your money? 
So if you bring all those things together, it's the perfect storm. We're seeing it in telecommunications. We're seeing it in aerospace and space itself. We're seeing it in internet technologies. We're seeing it in banking. We're seeing it in energy. We're seeing it in uh, consumer goods. I mean, there's pretty much not an industry that you can think of that is untouched by this sort of conversion of legacy businesses into modern technology businesses. And one way to sum it up is that there is no such thing as a legacy or traditional company anymore. Every company is now a technology company. You know when you notice a building that seems to have gone up overnight, or a feature in the landscape that you didn't see until someone pointed it out? I think that's where I'm at. That's what I'm feeling. At the start, I wanted to know where the electricity comes from when I switch a light on. But who would have thought the answer reveals that our world is undergoing such massive change? Yeah, for me, the number one thing uh, is awareness, right? So um, before I started getting interested in this type of stuff, um, I had no real interest. Like I would get a, a bill once a quarter or once a month in my letterbox and probably put it in the bin or the shredder. Like I didn't really look at it, uh, direct debit or whatever. I just sort of ignored it. I had no real interest in what my energy consumption was or what my carbon footprint was or you know whether I was taking out of the grid or putting into the grid. Like none of that was really interesting for me. Once I started taking an interest in it, it just snowballs from there. Remember that we're in a world of dramatic change. Here's Greg Jackson again. Recognise that the world across the next 15 or 20 years will be totally different. So think about the way the world is going to change around you. But if we get the renewable transition right, we could be at a world in 10 or 15 years where we've eliminated the carbon impact. And at that point, it's less about energy efficiency than about just what do you want to spend money on to make for a more comfortable, enjoyable life. The critical bit to that is making sure that we do get to the zero carbon system. I think this is an incredibly exciting juncture where you know we can realistically start dreaming of a world of zero carbon, zero guilt electricity. So, we've taken a few steps on this path to exploring the complex world of energy. We've learned how energy is generated and distributed to homes, but also that technological disruption is driving change for the better. We're in an uh, unprecedented period in history, in fact, of technological change. Um, when we're in it, we do- it doesn't feel as fast, but it's much faster than the Industrial Revolution took to happen and the PC Revolution, or, you know, the, the, the 80s, where suddenly you could actually afford a computer on your desk. We, we think that's normal now, but it wasn't that normal. Remember when Dom said he sought out interesting things that look generations ahead to help save the planet? Well, if none of that resonates with you, listen in to this next bit. I've got young kids, and so I just care about the future. I just want them to live in a world that is awesome, you know, and that is uh, sustainable, and that um, that their kids, you know, will have a future. And I think that we easily get into a debate uh, about uh, fossil fuels or about sustainable uh, forestry or, you know, whatever it is. I'm not political. Like, I'm not that interested in having the debate. I just try for me and my immediate family and my immediate friends and my colleagues to just help make a difference where we can. All of this disruption across our economy is really offering us choice. So whether it's grabbing a taxi, 
choosing a bank or deciding our energy provider, technology is giving power back to us, the consumers. Companies need to be focused on innovation if they want to succeed in the new economy. And all of this tech is just enabling us to make better, smarter choices. Perhaps Deb and I can do a little bit more than change the light bulbs and look at installing solar panels. Those are important steps, but it feels like there's more we can do. Let's see what Deb has to say, because she's my little self-help guru. I call her this because all of our conversations are about improving me as a person. Our 12-year-old, well, about to turn 12-year-old son, has been pestering us to buy an electric vehicle for years. He loves the Teslas and he's really, really interested in in all of that sort of thing. So um, probably the most I know about that is through him and what he's told me. Get ready for your EV smile, Deb, because in episode two of So What, we're in high pursuit of an electric vehicle and the smile that happens when you drive one. It's so smooth and quiet and peaceful when I drive that I find myself feeling more relaxed sometimes in my car than in my house. So What is the show that questions everything you thought you knew about energy, and it's brought to you by Origin. Production and scripting by the team at Lawson Media. If you're keen to know more about Origin's approach to customer experience, I've left a great blog post in the episode show notes. You can learn more about the podcast and listen to other episodes at originenergy.com.au forward slash so what. Or just hit subscribe in the podcast app you're in right now. I'm Andy Saunders, and I can't wait to speak to you next time.